Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, who is my co-host, Michael Grothy. Ben Bateman is still injured. He'll we'll, he'll eventually come back to us. Uh, we have also our producer in the house. What up, Marshall James? Uh, and uh, we bum, can bum, find bum, us on. I wish I had sound effects. You could do that. I found like a cool streamer keyboard that lets you do sound effects oh, and things. Yeah, stream like, deck. There. We should popular. do that. Yeah, yeah. We, but that's what Masters of Modern needs to become. It needs to become the modern drive to work podcast. That's like just every morning. You we someone shows up at seven a.m. and yeah. then have to wake up that early, which will never happen. <laughs> Michael, yeah, Garrett, you could just be the guy by yourself. <laughs> just You're listening just, to Michael just, in the mouth in the morning. Just like have sound effect boards of me and Ben saying ridiculous things, and you can press them. So. Just, Mere Superion. Mere, 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 mere Superion. Superion. Uh, yeah. So uh, we are the Modern Focus Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Collected.Company. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. If you're on YouTube right now, make sure to hit the like and subscribe and then comment something, but then hit the like button again just once, but make sure you hit it. It's really important if you're on YouTube. If you're on iTunes, uh, a review is really appreciated. We don't ask for them every week, but uh, yeah, we like to hear how you think we're doing and giving us five stars. Don't give us less than that. That's not cool. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> five stars and then constructive criticism that's just fine yeah 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 exactly um uh big shout out also you can find us on twitter i am uh, at kess wiley uh i'm at dudard d-u-d-a-r-d-d i'm at marsh unfocused uh you can find at ben bateman media at well that's ben he's at ben bateman media and then we are at the mm cast um today we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff primarily it's going to be a big eldraine conversation uh we were having just as part of the pre-conversation a little bit of a, a discussion on how legendary cards work and what we think the design space could be moving forward on them that we're going to uh, pick up and restart uh because we thought it'd be content you guys might want to listen to uh, but that is something to say if you are a patreon member uh, so you can donate to the patreon and you are a five dollar a level or above you get access to the raw episodes and there's this big marshall just hits record once he gets here and we start talking about stuff we talked about stranger things today i got depressed <laughs> we talked about um, i'm still stoked for stranger things season four i will creature be types we have a whole saga over warlock today warlocks finally came up on top um now we got in the nobles a little bit and that's what got us the legendary More like creatures. i relented i wonder should like so i was one so part of the thing is i was i've accepted that warlocks are a thing they're going to be a thing but then i was like okay well are there creatures in the past that should be eroded like should every creature who is a necromancer be eroded to be a warlock i'm into that well i think it depends on how there hasn't really been a clear creative explanation that i've seen for what the difference between a warlock and a wizard is shaman druid cleric i kind of get it right a cleric's magic comes from some divine being right that's imbuing them with holy power or whatever and, and in then general a druid, magic clerics have something to do with your life total they're right. usually making people lose life they're making you gain life depending on the color but they're all the life focused a, magic a druid is more drawing power from nature and so from they're like the, the land. guys who make mana or they untap lands yeah right and then like a like a shaman is like getting shaman is a little blurrier but they're like they're not study they're like wisdom instead of knowledge right and in magic shamans tend to either have powerful activated abilities or they're the most aggressive spell casters they're usually like big beefy and do things when you Oh, yeah, that's true. There's like one, three shamans that get spells from the graveyard. They're just the red wizards. Sure, but, but, but I mean, I mean like, like thematically a- in magic, in magic, a lot of a lot of shamans have powerful like tap abilities, like tap activate abilities, or they're the like real. They're relatively aggressive. The distinction between creature types and magic tends to be more flavory than mechanical, yeah. and there are mechanical distinctions. Like druids tend to make mana or do stuff like that, but think- like the difference between a shaman and a wizard tends to be a little bit more flavorful, since like most of the things. That shamans are doing wizards could also do and most of the things that wizards are doing in most cases shamans could also do yeah, i think i think it's more reverse it's that if a card is doing this mechanical thing it's more likely to be a druid than a wizard but druids they use druids for like oh this makes squirrel tokens or like this is a random thing that does something but in general in druids green. have a connection to nature where, sure. where Flavor, flavorfully wise and yes. so like you know wizards it I'm guessing, given all these distinctions, they tend to be people who have studied their magic yes. and are more nerd 
wizard, like yeah. nerd spellcasters, right? So like if you are a necromancer who went to necromancer school and learned necromancy, then maybe you're a wizard. But if you're a necromancer who like made a pact with the demon, made a pact with the demon or something. Yeah. I mean, that's how that's the distinction in D and D right. Is that in D and D warlocks get their power from some patron who is a powerful magical being, not of divine nature. So like a demon or sure. a, can you get, can be a dragon warlock. Yeah. That's a thing, right? You can be a dragonborn yeah, warlock. Cool. Sure, dragonborns are well, no, no, not like a dra- Like, can you get your warlock magic from a dragon? Sure. Cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think more of the point is that it more often they're used, for the flavorful reasons, like every single one of these creature types could make a one, one token. Right. And it just, why they're doing it is then added with flavor. And then that will provide which job they have and how they learned that magic. Are they, Yeah, well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm speculating on is that wizards are more like learned spellcasters. So like necromancer isn't definitively a warlock. It's like, how'd you get to be a necromancer? How'd you get in the necromancy game? Did you go to sure. school or did you just like get really close, find a book in your, find a book in some abandoned shack in the woods yeah. and just like now I raise skeletons from the dead. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's potential. So that's the type of conversations that we've had for the last four weeks and I believe everyone's not sick <laughs> We're of it. still having it. <laughs> uh, on the Patreon but today and that led eventually to Noble uh, and ta- conversation about erratic creature types. I do think the biggest issue with erratic is just like it makes stuff worse. Like I actually really still kind of dislike the damage to everything. Wording any as an errata feature. Damage to any target. Yeah, damage to any target. So they've changed. They used to be damage to target player or target creature. And then if you did it to player, it could redirect to a planeswalker. And they realized which that. Is annoying. Which is annoying because it's a weird extra rule. But the ver- reverse of that is now I have to look up every damage spell on the planet to figure out in modern really, what they you do. You really don't. You really don't. The number of times that I've like cast Earthquake and been like. I hit your planeswalker and people are like, wait, what? Or like I have a planeswalker and I'm like, wait, you know, like, does this hit a planeswalker? Like does Chandra torch of defiance hit a planeswalker? I mean, the answer used to be yes. Now it's no, but I'm just saying that the old rule, because it was also using something that was not printed on the cards. It was using kind of like a weird workaround rule that wasn't printed on the cards. There was confusion there too. Sure. Now with this new errata, you still have a weird rule that's not printed on the cards mm-hmm. where like suddenly lightning bolt is now damaged any target, even though that's not what it says in the card. But. Sure. And, and, and more even like it's like skull crack is one that I think is a more relevant one than lightning bolt. Cause lightning bolt, like it's like, this is the basic damage. Sure. spell that's super famous. and does damage to anything. Skull crack makes it so I can't, they can't gain life. So does that mean it doesn't like, I actually t- right now don't know if it hits planeswalker. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it does, but it's skull crack deals to player or planeswalker. Okay. Cause it, the, but everything like, that used to say player, the, the thing that, the thing that I, I have found easiest to get into my mind to make sure that I don't misunderstand these is always, if it could deal to target player damage, then it now says player or planeswalker. If it said to all players or to all opponents it does not do it to planeswalker i think what alex's problem is is that if they printed a card to in the next set in theros that had the exact same words on it as skullcrack it would do something different from what skullcrack does right because skullcrack hits planeswalkers but if they printed with the exact text of skullcrack where it doesn't say planeswalker then it would not hit planeswalkers and i understand why the change was made and i'm not saying they shouldn't have done it because I, I especially for arena purposes it was like a big cleaning up that they were able to accomplish but i do think that there are cards out there that's like oh does this do this thing right and like in the future they'll probably print cards like blightning or like skullcrack where like it has to only hit a player because it like causes some thing to bad to happen right. to that player like it causes them to discard cards or it causes them to not gain life or whatever right and so it like flavorfully needs to hit a player it doesn't make sense if it hits a planeswalker but it when introduces it some does. confusion yeah. because the cards that were printed like that used to use the planeswalker redirection rule which was an annoying rule and now like it would have been better if the planeswalker re- redirection rule had never existed and they just did this when they introduced planeswalkers Correct. and i think at the time they were like it's not worth it and then it's like oh actually planeswalkers are incredibly popular and we want to put tons of them in every set and push them to the point where they're always playable and we should have answers for make things be clean yeah. <laughs> um i mean remember how long they waited to put like destroy target planeswalker on a card yeah, yeah. um so 
with that in mind, adding creature types to pass cards for the most part is probably safe, especially for something like Noble, where Noble doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, and you say that now when they added human to a bunch of cards, it didn't matter. Correct. <laughs> uh, every, but, every tribal discussion has to degenerate into, humans. but humans, yeah, right? Yeah. Isn't that what has to happen? I was happen? on actually, uh, I was <laughs> on a, a Merfolk podcast that I'll shout out more next week because it comes out next week, not this week. Uh, and we talked about that very thing on like how like right now Merfolk in general is being hated on as our other tribes because wizards has to print good answers to humans and spirits and yeah. like they're just like trickle down plague engineer yeah. or elves i think elves is worse off than merfolk because plague like they're a bunch of one ones sure i would say <laughs> that immediately before plague engineer was printed merfolk was probably worse off immediately after yes. elves is more worse <laughs> off <laughs> um but so we were talking about nobles and then that led to the conversation of adding it to queen marchesa Marshall is one My of Marshall's favorite, favorite cards. I mean, she's card. only the best legendary creature ever printed. There you go. True statements going all around. Uh, <laughs> lucky for us, she's not legal in modern. She'd dominate the format. It's true. Oh my gosh, can I... Quick, 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 quick sideboard. Uh, so, I was looking uh, at Kess, the giant card printed up on me. So, a uh, quick sideboard. There was, uh, just the other day, Wizards' official Twitter account tweeted out a, please take a survey, help make the game better. Um, that was mostly focused on Commander, wanting to get stuff from Commander players. So I went through it, and it was great. They asked a bunch of questions about, like, what's your favorite colors and why you build Commander decks and da 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 And then they got to a thing about how would you feel about Commander-specific or multiplayer-specific keywords showing up in standard-level products. And they gave, like, Partner and... Uh, parlay as like examples and i was like sure. that's fine with me and then that one of the big questions was how would you feel about a commander product based around the monarch and i was like i cannot smash yes please <laughs> fast enough i'd also like to point out that having now looked through all of them i am right anything that says each player now that said each player still only says each player my issue isn't with the each it's the other way it's there are things that say target player that don't target planeswalkers it's not the each player thing. That's that's I don't necessarily disagree with. Oh, okay. It's like it's like for instance, a good example is Blightning. Is like they they said when they said it, if things target a player and it matters that it's hitting the player for an effect, it won't hit them. Blightning does hit planeswalkers, right? They didn't change that for some reason. Yeah, sure. like any of those, like they they said going forward, that's what they're going to do. But in the past, if the thing targeted a player, even if it doesn't make sense, they've now eroded it to say like Blightning. Lightning now says deals three damage target player or planeswalker. That player or planeswalker's controller discards two Does cards. Does return to hit planeswalkers? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same thing as Lightning. I don't well, see but why it's, it wouldn't. It's, isn't it you discard cards equal to how much damage it does, or is it no. X is both? Oh, okay. It says Rakdos' return deals X player. damage to target opponent or planeswalker. That player or planeswalker's controller discards X cards. Sure. And so that... Which they wouldn't print that nowadays because it sounds, so now it sounds nasty, weird. but... Now it sounds <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... Not but as clean of a that's card. That's basically is. how they did. So a, a general rule of thumb is if a thing targets a player, it can now target a Planeswalker unless it was printed Dominaria afterwards. And if it said each player or each opponent, then it can't. And that's just a pretty good general rule of thumb that I think applies nearly 100% of the time. Fair. Internet, please. But it uh, is you know still examples that are weird. Oh yeah, it is call me still out. Call me something out in that the... like sometimes you're not going to be sure and you're going to have to look it up. But I would argue that that was also true before as well. I mean, uh, I, think, I had I a handle was... on it as a judge, yeah, but yeah. I had a lot of players ask me questions, sure. like at tournaments or at commander nights, where like somebody's right. like, "Wait." can I hit their planeswalker with this? What about this? Like, I need to get rid of that planeswalker. Can anything in my hand, like, <laughs> and, and I think we live in a world now where moving forward, every card is just going to be more clear, which is why it's a good thing. They made the change. And yeah. I think it's a good thing that they did that. Yeah. Uh, and my, my point is more both sucked and like, yes. And, and, and but errata feels more often to me harder to deal with than a blanket rule that you just have to learn. I guess because then it's. I feel like it's the same based. thing. An errata is a blanket rule you have to learn, more or less. But like, I don't generally, as a Magic player, need to know ever that this random card from Stronghold is a human now, right? Like that errata is humans fine. a tribe. You do have to know now. Not in any format that matters. <laughs> legacy humans. I don't you haven't seen legacy humans. Human it's, it's it's converting over. Are vintage. You play humans character? in vintage <laughs> card. That's 
humans are problematic. Get rid of those animals. <laughs> or added humans to be like three creature types. You got nobles, we got peasants, uh, peasants and we got citizens. You could be serfs. <laughs> well, I mean, before oh, yeah, serfs, like sh- surely he should now make peasant tokens, right? Serfs and peasants are synonymous. Like, why didn't I mean? I understand that they didn't call them serfs. What are your views on sables? <laughs> Sables? So there's two of them, I think. Or there's two sables in the real world, but they're a part of the family of weasel. But wizards like dog decided that weasel is a creature type they're not going to This support. was like a big conversation on Twitter. I know. That's why a I'm A former wizards up. creative person said that it was Kelly because, Dix. yeah, he said that it was because, I just want to drop, the, I wanted to, you know, let the cast listeners and viewers know uh, that he's a w- former wizards creative person. Sure, right. just yeah, use yeah. the name, but yeah, it was Kelly I Diggs. You were just gonna he said that name. that dog and weasel both didn't sound fantasy y enough, which is the reason that they're not creature types. Mm-hmm. And hound and sable sound right. So there's one sable in magic, bronze, bronze sable, sable. Mm-hmm. yeah, from Theros. So are there any weasels in magic? No weasels. No, that's the point. It's not fantasy enough. Doesn't sound but cool. In, in mongoose, the real world, there's, there's a only mongoose, two right? Species of sable. It's nimble mongoose creature type mongoose. It's got to be right. Yes. Yeah. There's uh, a mongoose and there's a sable. There's no otters though, right? No I don't think there's magic. any otters. That's one thing he was hung up on too. He wanted there to be somebody wanted there to be an otter. I think in he was fact, in agreement. Peru meerkat has been eroded to being a mongoose, but I'm pretty sure meerkats and mongooses are different. They're creatures. not. Meerkats and mongooses are uh, different, but beasts. they are. They should all be beasts. <laughs> they live in the same environment and they interact very similarly with the world. I have, really, they all do the. Well, that's the, they, they don't do that, but they both like burrow in this. African plains land. What about this and like And like pop out of stuff. Oh my gosh. That's meerkat. Mongooses <laughs> kill snakes. <laughs> I've been, we've been hoisted. Huh? Meerkat is a small carniv- carnivorian member of the mongoose family. Wow. Yeah. Cool. That makes well, sense. wizards, you taught me yet another thing today. Yeah. Uh... Otters should be blues. What was it? Oh, we did this. We did the whole, but otters are weasels. That was why otters couldn't work for my... Are otters weasels? Yeah. I did not realize. So that. if you look at freshwater otters, it like makes sense, and and then you just like sea otters have added a bunch of more fur, so they're like a much cuter animal. But like like river water otters are just weasels. That what swim. about beavers? Are they beavers? Weasels? Are no beavers are rodents. This was that whole rodent conversation. Were you not? Did I not talk about this on the cast? That like I was trying to fi- now that there's mice and rats, and rats I and want squirrels and squirrels. I want a rodent for each color, and so I was like, what are the blue and red ones? And I think we got to. Uh, Beaver is the beavers blue for blue because they are artificers <laughs> and they swim in water. Oh my gosh! Can we right. please, so, can so we please go to a plane with beaver folk? That's so, all I want. So, I want beaver folk so bad. <laughs> beavers like they live in the water for one thing. That's like the basic level. But then also they like disrupt ecosystems to like construct cities <laughs> or to structures. construct structures right like that sounds pretty blue to me right it's not yeah, particularly yeah. green to be oh, like no, building no. a dam and just like totally wrecking an ecosystem you'll have no arguments on the blueness of beavers from me <laughs> all right i'm just i'm just explaining to, no, the, to, audience to the audience at large yeah, right yeah. yeah so so what we're saying is audience please take to twitter demand beaver folk in yeah, a few <laughs> back. uh so yeah so like okay, we could yeah. have beaver warlocks i'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna stop until there are no, beaver but warlocks it'd, beaver it'd be a blue black card <laughs> yeah blue yeah, black, yeah, blue black beaver warlocks <laughs> just like beaver like, <laughs> <laughs> like wait what's the red what is the red uh is the, it the internet the internet oh, no that's not a rodent so yeah rabbits are a rodent learned that i learned a lot about rodents on this whole thing rabbits are rodents apparently didn't no, know that until this moment part of, they are a completely they're they're Lego totally morphs. different thing yeah yeah no no i'm i'm now all all on board people are also arguing that blue was rabbits because of uh the rabbit mutant that's out there bizardrix 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 is a, a magically altered rabbit though. oh perfect so rabbits could be anywhere uh also not rodents so uh gremlins is what the world decided because they're From fictional Kaladesh. the kaladesh gremlins could be considered rodenty and they act very rodenty and they right? have they i have, could be um, on board gremlins yeah. Like if okay. I mean they basically the premise of a gremlin is like what if rats liked to eat electronics. Right. And that was their thing and then that's what a gremlin is. <laughs> also they have six arms for some reason or six limbs. So we should talk about creatures. We can talk about some magic Eldrin <laughs> cards or maybe some This is all Eldrin related. Uh, this creature type debate was created by Eldrin. Maybe modern. Like we could talk 30. about modern. All right, so let's talk about I'm just going to go in order of how mythic spoilers laid out cuz then I don't have to find Wait, cards. But we have like a yeah, but then I have to like find it. But Jack he hasn't updated yet. <laughs> so <if you> could, <laughs> then I could search. I have no way to search for cards. We're starting with Brazen Borrower. 
I also think we should save uh, uh, what's the car we talked about for like an hour last week that is gone to time. Oh, by the way, apologize for last week and the fact we lost audio. But Brazen Borrower, one blue blue creature fairy rogue, flying flash. Brazen Borrower can block only creature cards with flying. It's a three one, but it can go on an adventure. That adventure is petty theft, instant adventure. Return target non-land permanent and opponent controls to its owner's hand. I think people are underrating this card. I agree with the problem with this card, that this card should be an uncommon. but <laughs> Or or just a rare. I hate mythics uh, that are like, yeah, this will be a four of in a lot of decks. So it's interesting because my standard playing experience now is so much more, and it, not that I've played paper standard in maybe a decade, but for the reason I'm playing any now is because it's in an arena. Rares are the ones I don't want cards to be. I have so many mythics that are just like, oh yeah, that's fair, not being used, and like everywhere I'm getting like basic or <laughs> rare lands. Yeah. Um. So like, I guess this card's gonna be easier for me to get if I need it. Um. In modern, I actually think this is playable though. I think that um one one speculation I heard based on the name sounding like it steals stuff and the ability also sounding like it steals stuff that this card may have done something different at some point and felt more mythic like if it had some sort of mind control or you take a card out of their hand and you can cast it at some point like take a card out of their like something a little spicier and then they decided to make it a constructed card but they didn't have like a rare slot to fill so they just mm-hmm. changed the card and kept it mythic that's the speculation i've heard that makes the most sense to me as to why it's mythic I mean, could have this but the world may never know like three one flyer that can't block and then just vindelian click for two mana or three mana as an maybe, adventure maybe like, that's what it had been and they yeah. toned it down who Cause, knows because like I mean, separating those effects it's more expensive now but maybe they just got it in the testing and last minute we're like we like this card is better right than like it could else. have been something more exciting that was either powered up to be a player in standard or powered down to not be oppressive in standard mm-hmm. in one way or the other it ended up being like kind a of more vanilla boring. seeming card that ended up at mythic just because that's what they had a slot for right and i do think like this has a a lot of utility. I think people are also maybe underestimating the versatility of adventure cards because a lot of the time they're just seeing it as kicker instead of like split card that also has kicker. It's closer to um, what's the split card mechanic that you cast fuse. both have? It's more. It's closer to fuse almost. Well, I mean, so this card actually reminds me a lot of Nimble Obstructionist um, in that it is a flash flying threat that can just come down and clock them. It's the exact same body, Mm -hmm. but it has another mode. Now what's interesting about it is like nimble obstructionist counters a a triggered ability and draws a card. This bounces a permanent and draws a card, but the card that it draws is a three, one flash flying. So it like, I don't know. It, it, well, I think, I think it's the closest thing we have to this, right? If we're going to try and compare it to something that exists and nimble obstructionist does see fringe modern play. And, and, and when I've played with the card, the reason I've always stepped away from it is I kind of always wanted it to do both. And yeah. the sense that I'm playing sure. it in the, I'm always like, I put it in the deck in the idea like, oh, this will be a threat that is also a counter spell. Right. And You're only putting it in a deck where you would play a 3-1 flash flying. It right. just has some other utility. And, but what I always end up with is like, well, I don't want to use the cycling. I don't want to, I don't want to just play it because this cycling could come out at every moment. And then I'd feel bad if I just had this 3-1 fly that wasn't doing anything and vice versa. And also three mana for a stifle effect is like a lot, even though you draw it is a card. A lot, yeah. Where two mana for a, like, non-land boomerang that you get to draw a card off of is something that I'll play every single time. Like I'll, right. Sometimes you're just going to end step a three, one to clock them. And sometimes you need to like interrupt their combo or you need mm-hmm. to get rid of their germ token or something. And it's guaranteed curve out, right? Like I, like yeah. if I'm on the draw, I can turn to bounce, whatever they played on turn two, their Tarmogoy for run and six and then turn three, play this or just their at birds the end of, of their paradise, turn. slowing them down. Yeah. Like, sni- like if you go turn one Island and they go turn one birds of paradise and you snipe their birds during their upkeep, they're like behind and you drew a card for like zero tempo play and you never tapped out. Like I, I think I think this card is actually pretty playable just from the fact that it does so much. And having I think, a having a main deckable unsummon I think is powerful as we've seen with Cryptic Command mm-hmm. because like there's just a lot of permanence that sometimes you don't want to be you you just need to get rid of it for a turn to like sneak in damage or slow down your opponent or interrupt their combo or something and being able to do it main deck for two mana on like a card that does something is like pretty strong, I think. Yeah. And I think it's also notable, like the fact that it has three 
power means that there's a lot of times he can come in and snipe things out of the way so then you can take out a planeswalker in much the same way that yeah you can like you can end step just do both right you can end step like bounce their flying blocker flash this in take out their planeswalker or whatever or for three you can just play it if they don't have a flying blocker and take out their planeswalker yeah i think it's cool um you know, it needs to be in like kind of a tempo shell that's willing to play a three one. But I think that it also benefits a lot from Stoneforge Mystic being in the format because you can um, put swords and such on it. Culture of Eternity. So 10 black, black legendary artifact. This spell costs two less to cast. Black. 10. Yeah. No, no. Oh, it's just a funny so mana cost. It's just, it's a, it's <laughs> 10 black, one. black legendary artifact. This spell costs two less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. Whenever a creature you control dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library. You may tap it and pay two black, pay two life. Now return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. Um, I know that there are combo decks being built in standard already. Yeah, that there's are like kind standard of reanimator decks. Um, I think this has, I mean, for five mana at once, you can start just bringing creatures back into play every turn. It has a feeling of like reverse birthing pot almost. I feel like the quality of reanimator targets in modern is similar to the quality of reanimator targets in legacy. I mean, it's basically the same because sure. Grizzle the Brand creatures, Elish Norn and yeah. I own like, you know, Grizzlebrand, I own Elish Norn. There's like modern big dudes are more powerful than old big dudes. Right. Are. So like <laughs> there's almost nothing in Legacy Reanimator that you can't play in modern. And I think that like a one shot reanimate, like an Unburial Rights or something, that like is maybe a little bit easier to swing. Is so, this is like an overtime value reanimator card. Yeah, so I was thinking more of this like as a one of in collected company shell or not collected company shells, but like Kitchen Fink's combo deck Malira shells, where you're like more using it to start so rebuying value. Expensive though, like how do you stock your graveyard for this? Sure, like it's a it's a value card in that basically you want to like stock up your graveyard with like self mill or like you know you're discarding cards to Liliana or something. I mean, assuming mm-hmm. this was a modern deck, and then once you have five five creatures in your graveyard right because creatures accounts yes then you get to pay five to reanimate something so So it just like like strikes me as so slow and grindy which is perfect for standard Mm -hmm. because you know your format slower and like the value you're accruing is better and the grave hate is worse and i just think in modern it's like so slow there's not other better ways to i think you would much rather just like unburial rights and elish norn and call it a day because elish norn is high enough impact that you don't need to like be accumulating value over many turns you're just like boom i did it (laughs) sure um so this is a cycle and i think not all of them are necessarily going to see play but it's the legendary they're all kings right we don't want to talk about any of the legendary artifacts oh we can't do you have other ones that you have want to talk i don't think the night one sees play I think the Great Henge is maybe the closest. Okay, this uh, so the Great Henge is seven green green uh, legendary. Classic. Actually, something that is relevant if there's ever a converted mana cost matters on like artifacts or permanence mechanic that ever gets printed. And I know this has existed in the past. These are all Great. big things that reduce the cost of themselves doing things that are relatively normal. Um, sure. The Green Henge. Uh, this spell costs X less to cast, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Uh, oh. Green, green, you can tap it to make green, green and gain two life. And whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on it and draw a card. This card just gives you every single resource in the game. It gives you mana. It gives you life. It gives you bigger creatures. It draws you cards. It makes your creatures. It gives you power and toughness. Yeah. It gives you literally anything that you want. So I think that it could have a home. Immortal sun like in that way. Yes. It reminds me a lot of the immortal sun, but you can potentially play it for cheaper. I mean, like. You know, it, it costs nine. So, like, how much cheaper are you really playing it for? But it does but do something the turn that you play it because the turn you play it, you're going to gain two life, and you might be able to use the two mana that you get. I, I also think that this is almost a shoe in for mono green stompy decks. Yes, because like you play three drop six ones, and like on turn five, if you just draw this and have this in your hand, you get this for six, end of play six mana, or I get 
total because you have to play the groundbreaker yeah, yeah. So, but it's but also like, good with like steel leaf champion sure. or like other it's good with like big green guys so i could see an argument for it in devotion mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. faster decks where you want the gas and you want the plus one plus one counters more than you want the mana where yeah you're like playing steel leaf champion into this on turn four or right. whatever or turn three if you like ramped out your steel leaf and, with a and you can if you can get this as a play there are it can cast a lot of the other cards you have in the deck as long as there are two mana. Right. Below. So you go so. Steel Leaf Champion into this on turn four for how much does it cost? Four, right? Uh, what is Steel Leaf Champion's power? Five. 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 So, yeah, so you get to cast yeah. it for four. The so you cast it for four and, it and then you. Two mana. Right. You immediately play you something play for three. three like you play another Steel Leaf Champion or something yeah. or you play a Groundbreaker. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the fact that the Groundbreaker then comes in with a Blossom Blossom Counter and Cantrips, you're just like, you're never losing when you play this unless yeah. your opponent, like, <laughs> And blows it up game, you know like you're, you're just I, never losing yeah i immediately thought about the rock because i thought wow you could do turn three reggie yes so then, that's what people are doing with it in standard they're uh-huh. playing rotting regisaur into this on turn like for two mana <laughs> and rotting regisaur is already starting to show up in modern especially now that like faithless looting is gone and some people like we've talked about mm-hmm. are using reggie his downside as an upside like yeah i'll bend some uh life from the loam and stuff like that discard lingering lingering souls souls, yeah (laughs) so yeah having the great hinge out on for just two mana on turn four when you have or if even turn two like you could do turn one birds turn two reggie turn three great hinge and still have four mana to cast yeah and the fact that this gasses you up means it's like oh no i discard a card on my upkeep so sad play a creature draw a card play a creature draw a card play a creature like (laughs) who cares (laughs) yeah um yeah i don't embercleave the only thing with embercleave is that if you get it onto a creature you win but it's like there's a lot. I think it's too many. Hoops. Yeah, too many hoops. Uh, the Great Henge was the one I wanted to talk about. Okay. Unless you have one you're interested in, that was that was my uh, yeah. card. I think is somewhat underrated. Like it looks when you read it, it reads like a commander card, and you're like, whatever. But like, I think it's for real. Uh, so we have our sister podcast, The Command Zone. You should go check those out. They're at Collected.Company. They also do Game Nights, and they're nice. on YouTube as well. Uh, Gadwick the Wizens was their preview card, Blue 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 X. Uh, Gadwick the Wizens enters the battlefield, draw X cards. Whenever you cast a blue spell, tap target non-land permanent and opponent controls. It's a 3-3. Three, three. Um, I actually think this is, po- like, A, I think actually mono blue devotion and all the mono devotion decks that have always been on the fringe have the potential to get much better in the next six months because we're going back to Theros. Yes. Like cards that would be good in those decks are things to consider. Blue being the second best one in that standard era because it has Thassa and Master of Waves is definitely one to kind of talk towards. And this has a utility of like most cards like this historically are just spells. So the reason that the ones that were good were good is because they did something else. Like Sphinx's Revelation gained you life. So it made it so you had a buffer from the onslaught of them attacking you after gaining a bunch of life and tapping out to play it. What he does is he's a 3-3 creature. So he comes into play and then starts... When he adds devotion, he seems pretty good with Nykthos. Yeah. Um, So I I think he's actually a pretty, pretty cool target. Um, I don't know that mono blue devotion is going to quite make it in in modern, but if there is a mono blue devotion deck, I think this guy is certainly at least a one of as like a Nykthos mana dump that you can also just play as a three mana three devotion card, right? Mm-hmm. Like you it's can also human. So if you ever if you have cards in humans, oh yeah, <laughs> obviously great for humans. Also can come he he collected company hits him, so you get him into play as a three three. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's also cool that, like, that X doesn't have to be big. If you cast him for four mana, he's a 3-3 three, three with that tap ability who replaced himself. Yeah. Which is a lot of value for just four mana. Yeah, I think for modern, that doesn't quite do it for me. But if you need the devotion, I think that it could be a thing. Well, I think the thing within a modern is that's the worst case. Like, worst case scenario is a three mana, three, three for in blue. But, like, worst case scenario, it's a four mana, three, three. Best case scenario is this is a late game. Just fill my hand back up, making sure I have a threat to make sure I can protect against whatever creature I'm being attacked with. And then I untap, and then they never untap their creatures again. Yeah, Um, I just think that, like, I mean... It, it strikes me as a card that like you're trying to curve it into Master of Waves and you can dump your Nyxos mana into it. That's sure. what it looks like to me yeah. personally. Yeah, yeah. But I think and I think that's not something to I don't think that deck exists. I don't think this card makes that deck exist. But you're right, given that we're returning to Theros, if there's more devotion support, particularly for mono blue, 
and there ends up being a deck where people want to play Master Waves, I think that this is like a card you play one or two of. I mean, one one other point is that one of the reasons, I mean, Mono Blue Devotion does exist in Modern. It's just, it's merfolk, right? Like, that's what that deck right. it plays Devotion cards. It takes advantage of that mechanic uh, to a certain extent. Now, there are a lot of cards that we just talked about being printed to fight humans that trickle down damage merfolk that may be moving away from the tribal synergies of that deck benefit it now You're i don't playing think this puts you there and merfolk like i think this is a car i don't i just don't well, see mass, myself wanting to play this card yeah, outside yeah. of outside of a nykthos deck i feel sure that's fair i can see you playing in the control deck though as a sorcery fair yeah. like i'd play blue sun zenith before i'd play this because you want mana untapped on your opponent's turn right yeah assuming yeah. you're playing mono blue control i think blue sun's gets the nod over this guy anyway and realistically in control of three three is like not relevant to the point where like i would play mind spring over this if i had to <laughs> sure <laughs> um okay the last of this cycle because i don't think i mean i guess yorvo could be being played in the mono green devotion deck and oyera could see playing a mono black devotion. like they all have that devotion feature but uh twitter was really excited about torpin three and of the red fell uh, and the fact that he makes your gut shots into free lightning bolts. So he is one red, 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 legendary creature, dwarf noble, two, four. If a red source you control will deal damage to an opponent or a permanent in opponent controls, it deals that much damage plus two instead. This also makes Renin six into uh, lightning bolt attached to it. it yeah, I mean, like, it makes everything into lightning bolt, right? In standard, yeah, people yeah. are making cavalcade of calamity into lava spike factory. You can play it with grape shot. All your grape shots become lightning right, bolts right. and... So I think like I think A he's got Lava a Dark right? becomes like, a lightning bolt with Sack of Mountain flashback lightning bolt. <laughs> <laughs> well that's like like the, the joke I was making was just play every red mana. There's like a few very inexpensive to free with gutshot and lava dart one damage spell effects you can play that he just like can kill a person if you get enough of them into your hand and in the graveyard of the turn you cast him. Um, especially if you had been doing damage to them up to that point with other things that are good. Um, the other one was, uh, this was a more of a rules question. So now that I have people that think and or are good at rules, uh, does grape shot do three now, or is it just still one? Does three each. Yeah, it's a red, it's a red source it's that deals red, damage. Each, each effect is a red source. Yeah. It's not one. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. So, so there was some talk about... You make a bunch of copies of it, right? So you have a red two-mana spell that deals one damage to target player, I assume. Mm-hmm. Well, it's always player, right? That's what I thought. I just wasn't... But then, wasn't yeah, then like you have a assume. bunch of copies of two-mana, one damage to target player. So there's a turn where you like just like gut shot, gut shot, grape shot, and win. Sure, you have to untap like with this with this no play. ability four drop and play. But yes, it's it's a well, it's, it's a no cute because like gutshot's free, lava darts free, so you can play sure. it, and then you have access to as far as your opponent is concerned, multiple free lightning bolts. Sure. Um, also, the mono red devotion thing. I think it's cuter more than anything else, but I could certainly see like a big red deck that has like some lava darts and lightning bolts to control the early game, and then suddenly you're like pew pew burn you out, and it's because right. you let me untap with my four drop. It's worth <laughs> noting. It's worth noting also that it just says source. The source doesn't have to be a spell. So yeah. like there could be a red aggroy deck that's that plays you know like the prowess decks. You know now all it's of your he, so he gives expensive he gives aggro, plus though, two. Modern. Yeah, I mean I like. But if it's like this, a, if goblins plays this as a one up, they just win, right? When it like if it does a similar he gives, effect, he gets plus two plus zero essentially to like, all he's of an your overrun for your your team, and like you've already probably chipped him down a little bit. So like I do think yes, four mana is a lot for aggro, but there are aggro decks that like that deck's already playing four drops. He, he'll he, his presence will make the idea of them ever printing goblin bombardment into modern even scare, scarier. <laughs> Because that could be a... Oh. I do like that. I think that playing this on turn four as your four drop and then having Goblin Bombardment in play means you can do a lot of stuff at that point, right? Well, yeah, like, then, like, for free. I was even thinking of putting this into, like, this is the top end of an aggro loam deck, like, just with Renin Sixes, Assault Formation, Assault Formation, right? Seismic Assault. Seismic Assault. Seismic Assault. Like, you can play the Seismic Ben Bateman Special Flame Jab. Yeah, or you have... A, what's the what's the two-mana guy whenever you cast a spell, he untaps and does a damage? that Ben likes. So zero thermal, alchemist. Yeah, thermal alchemist. Thermal <laughs> alchemist. 
healthy. Yeah, Thermo Alchemist seems. Thermo Alchemist, you play this guy, you tap Thermo Alchemist, do one damage, do three damage, gut shot them, untap, do three damage, pew, 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 card, pew, pew, three pew. damage. This deck builds itself. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> it's, the it's the deck that burns itself. All right. Um, all right. I'm so happy about that card. Uh, Emery Lurker of the Lock, two blue, legendary creature, Merfolk Wizard. This spell costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. When Emery Lurker of the Lock enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. Choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. You tap it to do that ability. It is a one-two. So we've got we got affinity back. <laughs> affinity for artifacts. Sure, back. yeah. And it is attached to a card that just lets you return... Card that lets you draw four cards and then cast spells out of your graveyard every turn. Like, yeah. So, so Kess attached to draw four cards attached to affinity for artifacts. Um, so do you think Emery is going to see any plays? Probably just a standard player, right? <laughs> I'm going to make her so much cheaper with food tokens. Get ready. <laughs> she's going to put me. She's going to put some feasting trolls into she the graveyard. She doesn't let you cast food out of the graveyard, though. But she lets Bad. you cast witches' cauldrons out of the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so she, Emery is oh, really oh, good yeah. as like a redundancy piece on your important combo piece artifacts, as well as like drawing cards and costing one mana. <laughs> <laughs> like I, 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 being I a legendary creature that you can use to tap Mox Amber. <laughs> I think there's like a real debate between how many of these that Urza Tron or Urza decks play. At, alongside Goblin Engineer. Because I do think that this doesn't replace Goblin Engineer because the tutor effect in the prison-style deck that it's playing is more important. But I don't really think powerful. that Wurza is like a prison-y deck. But being able to find your bullets, especially sideboard bullets, is good. It's pretty prison-y. It plays a bunch of prison-y main deck cards. Snaring Bridge. Play. That's it. Yeah. There's like one ensnaring bridge. Much more of a, it's a, like a Thopter Sword combo deck that has an. Like you're not like get if it wants. Yeah, but its interaction is prison, and then it wins with combo. Like it's not playing like removal spells to stop your opponent. You're prisoning them out well, with you're cards. Just combo. You're, just a combo. You're, you're mostly a combo deck, right? The Urza. thing is like, I feel like the Wurza deck feels a lot like if you like Splinter Twin, yeah. Wurza feels like the deck for you. I mean, it feels like if you like Splinter Twin, there were a lot. I of mean, them. like. I I've heard a lot of comparisons to Birthing Pod. You like play a bunch of cards that don't really do anything by themselves, and then you like they kind of crescendo at this combo where you're like, here's my Mox Opal and my Mishra's Bobble and my Arkham's Astrolabe. Look at all this magic I'm playing. And then you're like, oh, now I win because they all became Mox <laughs> Sapphires. <laughs> and uh, I play Goblin Engineer and I win. Is this is it Grixis now? I can't tell. Sometimes most, MTG Goldfish. I don't know where I found myself. MTG yeah, you, you need you need mana to cast Thopter Foundry, right? So you have to be. You're typically playing black. You could be playing white. You're playing red for Goblin Engineer a lot of the time because it's a tutor and it also provides redundancy on your combo pieces, right? So even if you naturally draw a both pieces of your combo and you find a way to discard Sword of the Meek or whatever, or you just cast it and sack it or whatever it is, if you then later draw Goblin Engineer, if somebody blows up your Thopter Foundry or whatever, you can get it back. You can get back your Ensnaring Bridge if that's an important card in the matchup that they destroy. I mean, uh, and Emery does the same thing, where it like gives you redundancy on these pieces and also helps you find them with its mill for. Uh, it, it doesn't search the way Goblin Engineer does, but it also, like, you know, it doesn't require you to sacrifice an artifact. So, like, if you have a Goblin Engineer out and somebody Shatterstorms and you lose all your stuff... Goblin Engineer is pretty sad unless you top deck an artifact or have one that you sandbagged. Mm -hmm. But uh, Emery just immediately is like, okay, fine, tap, play, you know, Arkham's Astrolabe, draw a card, maybe mm -hmm. that's an artifact play. Like, you just get to start going from nothing with Emery. Um, also, not requiring mana means that you can do things like in a Jeskai Ascendancy combo deck with Emery, you can like tap, get Mishra's Bauble from your graveyard, untap Emery when you cast it sacrifice Misha's bubble and just uh, do that until you draw your whole deck just and win the, make win Emery the game, really big. Yeah. Is, that, is that what that does? <laughs> yep, pretty much. And, you, and do you need green banner anymore? No, I mean, there's been <laughs> Jeskai Ascendancy decks that just play Fate Stitchers. That was like sure. a popular thing when Treasure Cruise was still legal. It was like the original Jeskai Ascendancy deck was playing like Glittering Wish as like extra copies of Jeskai Ascendancy. And then there was like the PT that still had Treasure Cruise mm -hmm. in it or something so do like you think fate stitcher was like the hot tech where like you don't have to be playing four colors anymore 
So do you think an Emery, do you think, it, I mean, does this push Jessica Ascendancy back into a deck that's playable? I think it's definitely a deck that people are going to try out. Mm-hmm. It's very powerful and you can play Fate Stitcher. You have to be playing this weird artifact shell to make it good, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's like incredibly terrible. I mean, even just having like a free spell to cast into Ascendancy to loot and like untap your creatures once is well, fine. Mishra's Bobble is a fine card on its own and then you also get access to other kind of color fixers yeah you want you, you want eggs. like net free artifacts that free or net free artifacts can sacrifice themselves mm-hmm. so it's like misha's bubble chromatic star because chromatic star like you pay one to play it but then one to sacrifice and then one to play it and then one to sacrifice, like in you yeah yeah it, it replaces itself Oh, I guess it it costs two. It costs you one mana. It costs you one, so that's not as good. But as Um, long as you have like a Fate Stitcher rolling, like I could see one that's like a a just pure Jess guy, mostly focused on blue, has a lot of artifacts, and yeah, you just get that one Fate Stitcher, like Fate Stitcher, Emery, and And if you have Star does it, if you have two Mox Opals, that does it too, Mm because you can like play. You have one in play. You play the one in your graveyard. Sacrifice the one in play. Play that one. Legendary, right? It's not. Okay. But Mox Opal is. So, I mean, you could also right. do the Mox Amber. Like, you could do, like, the backup yeah, that's true. space game plan where you have Mox Amber. When you're Mox playing Opals. Emery, maybe you're playing Psy in this deck as, like, another legendary creature. Yeah, yeah, it's the classic like... Mox Amber man. Yep. <laughs> or uh, Fibblethip. Fibblethip in sure, Mox Amber. Sure, you could play yeah, Fibblethip. Yeah. That's true. Blocks for days, draws you cards. Cool. Yeah, I mean, there's. there's Jessica like, Ascendancy's back, everybody. <laughs> I mean, I think the power level of Emery is such that, like, it goes into Wurza obviously easily. It And I think that it could even spawn new archetypes, sure. like kind of an artifact based Jessica Ascendancy or something like that. Like, the power level's that high. I've also seen talk in Lantern because Lantern is, like, more of a. Like, I do think prison decks want this because you, like, are assembling your prison pieces, and anytime your opponent blows something up, you have to, like, kind of rejigger everything right but with emery you're just like i recast it you can cast chalice of the void from your graveyard she gets around it even when she costs one because she's cast not like put into play like goblin engineer so you can like cast chalice for on one and then you can just like play an emery for one mana she's also also weirdly (laughs) because she has three cmc even though you're only paying one (laughs) oh yeah do you, so like, is, yeah. what, what do you think about? Um, we haven't seen like a blue-based affinity deck like using the powerful tools like Thoughtcast and stuff in forever in a day. But could we see the return of some sort of blue-based robots with? I think it's possible. Bound and thought. It'd be like a little bit slower and more of a mid-rangey. I don't know if it's better at grinding than hardened scales I, I also think stoneforge mystic is a better version of that for that because it just finds you like that deck basically is like the more of that equipment i draw the more likely i am to win and stoneforge mystic accomplishes that better than oh, this. it finds cranial plating that's finds pretty good plating. that's yeah. spicy stoneforge um, finding cranial plating i like that idea i did it in legacy back in the day it was fun um but i do think actually on the mono blue artifact train though uh there were mono blue uh tron decks for a while and their, one of their win conditions was looping uh, Mindslaver. And she Ooh. is much better at that than <laughs> uh, other cards. And Academy now, Ruins. Yeah, Academy. Academy Ruins was a card that you could search for. It was basically free to play because it was a land that entered untapped and you didn't necessarily mind that it tapped for colorless. Right. So I think I don't think I think you do both. I think that Academy is interesting Ruins though. Out with her. They're yeah. like, I mean, you can recast there. expedition maps. You can recast chromatic stars. Right. You can recast worm coil engines. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, she just does so much. And like it allows you and like with the Karn game plan now, too, you can also just like keep the more dead pieces in the sideboard. And she's just like a resilience piece in that. So you can kind of yeah. play both together. They counter your Mycosynth lattice. You're like, OK, try again. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I have 15 mana. I could do this all day. <laughs> Oh, poor mana leak. Uh, <laughs> uh, once upon a time, one in a green instant. If this spell is the first spell you cast this game, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card from among them and put it into your land hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, you have a lot to say about this. It's real good. Uh, I think one key thing that I didn't even pick up the first time that, uh, so people who don't know, we had a whole discussion on this card that got lost to time in one of our four secret episodes that will never exist. Um, due to the power of memory cards (laughs) and or the lack thereof. Um, 
I didn't really realize that you didn't have to cast this on the first turn if you didn't. If yeah, it was the first cast, it's a it's weird just... template because ley lines are like at the beginning of the first upkeep of the or the beginning of your first upkeep. You do it right away. The timed it happens. It happens. It happened. And this is if it's the first spell you cast this game. So you can like just like play two lands, not do anything for the first two turns, and then on turn three when you're like, oh, I don't have another land, or like, oh, I just need a th- I need to like I have the, all the lands I need. I need creatures. Just cast it then, and you now have so much more information, both on what your opponent's doing as well as where your draw steps have gotten you to than if this was just like at the beginning of your turn if you want to cast this you can for free right i mean it's a little more relevant in standard where you can afford to take a turn off or like maybe you play turn one temple of mystery and then turn two you have your draw step and then you play this maybe you play another temple of mystery or something and like you have a little bit more time in modern i feel like taking the first two turns off is aggressive but like maybe if you don't have a one drop you can also like play this and then respond with opt to give yourself a little more information Mm -hmm. or like yeah yeah I don't know what modern deck wants to play both of these cards, but you know, it could happen. Rug Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) That's two instants. How do we get the Phoenix in the yard? Uh, No, the new card. (laughs) Once upon a time, find Phoenix. (laughs) Uh, What is it? What's the card called? We talked about it last week. Trader? Bizarre Trader? Bizarre Trader. No, it's not Bizarre Trader. That's a world of the veil. No, 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 no. No, I think it is Merchant of oh, the Veil. Oh, Merchant of the Veil? Yes, 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 yes. The You're one right. that haggles? Yeah, yeah, haggle yeah, haggle is the instant yeah, that you it's like. it's an instant. So it's a, you, it's, there you go. Did that guy make Done. it in the episode last week, or do we need to uh, No, we did get to that. That was one of the cards that survived. Cool. So you guys know our thoughts on haggle. Yeah. Go, um, but anyway. One of the three cards we talked about last So week. once upon a time, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's like some QT tricks you can do with it because of that. And like, you know, depending on what is in your deck, right? So I think that one of the best homes for this is like the Vizier... Uh, remedies combo decks mm-hmm. um and you know a lot of times in that you want to find a one drop you want to find a noble hierarch or birds of paradise and so you're just going to fire this off on turn one even if like even maybe before you play to land because you want to make sure you get that one drop if you already have a one drop uh you're still firing it off because you want to play it before your one drop to get it for free but like <laughs> right right but you're you're playing this to find a one drop but in a deck where you don't have one drops like people are talking about playing this in like Tron and maybe you don't have a green source on turn one. And so you're like turn one Tron land. I guess you probably have like an expedition map or something. So you do just want to fire this off, but well, but I mean, I think there's other, like there's also situations where I play a little bit, especially games too. Like if I'm playing against burn and I just like only draw pain lands, I might fire this off. Play a top land, play this. Yeah. I mean, it just Uh, depends on what kind of deck you're playing, but uh, yeah, a lot of the time in modern in particular, you are going to want to play a one drop. So you're going to play this on your first turn, mm -hmm. maybe even before you play the land to like find a land that's maybe better or Mm -hmm. know if you need to play your shock land untapped because you found your noble hierarch or whatever. But there's decks like, like I think in, um, I think the deck actually we talked about that would like this the most that maybe wouldn't cast it right away is amulet of vigor decks because like if you don't have amulet of vigor you're not really doing anything that much on turn one i mean sometimes you are because you have cards that do it but it's often you're just playing a land tapped and then trying to get to turn two where you then can find stuff and this lets you like try and figure out what your hand is and finds you either a primeval titan apparently that's a thing that people want to do i've heard casting primeval titan is good uh or get one of the bounce lands you need if you need a bounce land get one of the utility lands you have i mean the deck is grab azusa yeah grab azusa it's literally the deck is finding creatures and lands and maybe scape shift well it needs to find amulet of vigor that's the one thing is like you have to find places to cut for this i think a lot of the time you're cutting lands for it because it's just free on turn one and it like just represents a land Mm -hmm. well that's i think that was the the uh, Frank Carson, right? The article was talking about how this... Yeah, this is... like represents sources. So he was talking about in the standard mana base like for a um, like a blue-green... Or blue-green blue green flash. flash yeah. Or like Teamer Elementals or something where like if you just cut a few lands and like, a, you know, a spell for this, for four of these, then like it represents those lost sources of mana that you were missing now. So you can cast your filled mystic on turn four because you're just like playing this on turn one and it helps you find your like dual lands or it finds you the color that you need to like have two blue, two green on turn four or whatever. Um, And in modern, yeah, it's the same thing where like you can cut some lands to do this. Now, Amulet of Vigor's mana base is unusual because they have to play all these weird utility lands and combo piece lands and bounce lands and gemstone mines. And so, but I don't know what lands you would cut for it, but. Yeah, you have to find cuts, and I don't know that Ancient Stirrings is it, because you do need to find those amulets as well. But the fact that this finds Azusa is good. Mm-hmm. 
So I think, yeah, it also, people are talking about it in Tron to help find lands because it's like free on turn one. And, and then later in the game. People have been talking about it in Neobrand. And Neobrand, which is like, you need to find an Allosaurus Raider ASAP or you can't win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, th- I think that like. And this- also I think this helps. Neobrand doesn't want to play too many lands. Yeah. Like you want an opening hand ideally that has maybe two lands. Sometimes you just want one land and like the Chancellor of yeah. the Tangle. And so being able to, like you were talking about, being able to slot this in over lands you otherwise would play because it represents, you could deal yourself an opening hand with no lands, but like a once upon a time. And if the rest of your combo is there. You have a chancellor. Then you yeah. Have a chan- yeah. If you have like a chancellor and a, a do either the chancellors? Do they have the chancellors? Um, it's not, ca- there's no casting. Like you can get those effects and play once upon a time no problem as well correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you can uh like if you have a ley line it doesn't stop mm-hmm. it if you use serum powder if you reveal for chance doesn't stop it right because it's just you may begin with it on the battlefield cool and likewise suspending a card so if you suspend a search for tomorrow you can still uh you once just, upon a you, time you but once the suspend comes off you can't then you're casting it so you won't yes. be able to do it anymore right. yeah but if you suspend a search for tomorrow you can still also you know, do yeah. This, do I mean, just being like search is suspend two, right? It's suspend, yeah, yeah one green suspend. So two. you could suspend it turn one and still wait to see what you do on turn two, and then yeah, yeah. And the fact that it's only two mana, like some decks are just willing to pay two mana for this effect anyway. Well, that's that's the death ray shaman effect, right? Where it's like it has and it, it you know it's a sliding scale, but it's insane early game, but totally fine late game. If I top deck this turn eight, I'm just like oh I. I'll, I'll just cast this for right two yeah and, and it's get, the flexibility like, yeah and i get one of five cards like and and you know that's always the game plan you know in legacy one conversation has always been the best players are the ones that don't cast brainstorm on turn one like the longer you wait to cast that brainstorm the better you are <laughs> or the better the better the card is because the more information you have the more likely it's going to find the card you need versus just like oh i have an extra blue man i can cast this spell why not and this card has a similar effect Except the fact that it's just free. <laughs> the first yeah, I turns. mean, like free card selection just makes your opening hand so much better. And a lot of the time, modern, you need your hand opening hand to be very good, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons that people are talking about, like, maybe the London Mulligan is too good. Well, right. this is like a card that freaking draws you five extra cards, basically, and you put four on the bottom. Like, <laughs> I, I do think actually a skill test in modern will be not casting this card like you have it in your opening hand. You haven't cast a spell, but you kind of have everything you generally need. I don't think you fire this off. I think you wait. Yeah, maybe I could see that. Like if you're a Vizier combo deck and you have three lands, Druid, Vizier, Birds of Paradise or something, and you're just like, yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah, they're like, they're going to have to make me stop it. And then I'd rather wait to you see find the what piece they kill that and, they kill. Yeah. yeah. And like, hold on to it. Like, I think I that, see that just is a thing that happens. And there'll be people it'll especially for the first six months or three months there'll be a lot of people that just like fire it off every time and then like in hindsight they're like oh wait if i just saved it then it would have been fine or you know so i think i think the last card to talk about today because it's a card that is not nearly as relevant and is just kind of dope and then we can kind of save the rest of the set for next week um which will be michael and someone it might be a michael marshall episode Okay. Or it might be a Michael Ben episode. Or Depends it might be a Ben Ben's Marshall feeling. episode. There's like so many different options. It's absolutely not a me episode. <laughs> Unless you're coming to Dallas. Are we I talking, guess we could all go to Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are we talking about Charmin Prince? Who are we talking about? Feasting Troll King. Ah, oh, uh, the Troll King. Yeah, yeah, the Troll King. I think this is the card I'm most excited about. I don't know if the world has noticed, but I like free green creatures that have lots of hoop. Actually, I like free creatures that take hoops that get something into play. Uh, I loved Arclight Phoenix. I loved Vengevine. I'm here for Feasting Troll King. I don't think this is nearly as Hogak? good as... What were your thoughts on Hogak? Uh, too I, free? Too free. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough hoops. I don't want to cast things from my graveyard with resources. Sure. I want it to just happen for me. I'm sure. a big fan of Prized Amalgram. <laughs> sure. You like you like when a card is like has a quest built into it. Yeah, like Vengevine like is like if you can cards. if you can accomplish this, you get Vengevine. If you can accomplish this, you get Arclight Phoenix. Right. If you can feed the king, you get him back. Hogak was just like you can cast this from your graveyard. <laughs> Hogak was like Hogak was like, would you like a free eight eight? Yeah. Is that can never be removed. <laughs> With trample. With trample. I, yeah, the graveyard feature was kind of really just a um just a a this is consistently going to come into play. It wasn't it wasn't a you have to get it into your graveyard and work for it, because it could come into play for free from your hand. 
All right, so let me hear how you're going to put this Feasting Troll King into play in Modern. Let's the same way I'm the doing deck? it. The same way I'm doing it in Standard. Well, it's all Standard cards are legal in Modern. That is valid. <laughs> so with the Giants, you're talking about with Giant Opportunity. Uh, there's the yeah, it's the three one. You got a seven seven, right? Uh, there's Witch's Oven. You can do Witch's Oven Cat Shenanigans. You got Gilded Goose, which we'll definitely talk about later on. Witch's Oven Cat Shenanigans. So the Witch's Oven is yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. sacrifice a creature, get a food token, and the cat is whenever you sacrifice a food token, bring no, it in. You have play. to sac activated ability sacrifice a food token colon return this to the battlefield, and whenever it enters the battlefield, you drain them for one. So uh, can, so every turn you can drain your opponent for one. Yeah. Um, other things with witches. Modern is, power level. You can sack feasting troll king to get two food tokens, which is half of the way there to get it and back. And then Oko makes a food and you get your troll king back. Right. And then you got, what else is there? So, and Oko is a card that is, I think. Okay. So player, right now so. you're describing a standard deck. Sure. What? Why is that good? What modern? does modern add to this deck that makes it a modern power level deck? Uh, parallel lives? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe does that work on food tokens or is that creature it tokens? Does it does work on food yeah, tokens? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> what is the second is, harvest? Is the angel one creatures only? Uh, this is a total team. divine visitation. It's yeah. creature tokens. Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes me sad. What if we can make angel food? <laughs> angel food cake. <laughs> That's that's a funny enough pun that I'm definitely going to double check and make sure it doesn't. <laughs> we can only dream of that happening. Um, so I don't know. I actually have no idea. I'm just really excited about this card. Yeah, divine visitation like, is creature token. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one single tier. Also doesn't work with. Uh, uh, well, I mean, Geist so, Trap, so one thing that sad. is interesting about it is it is a six. If you are looking to cast a six mana green creature with, say, like a Castle Garenbrig or something, mm -hmm. or if you're just a general ramp deck, it is a seven six Vigilance Trample that has some resilience to removal is that better than anything else you could be doing in modern i mean it's not as good as primeval titan is there a deck sure. that wants this well i think i think i think you want this on the outside back end, of right? like some type of food shenanigan deck that i'm not sure is really the, I think there the benefit here is the food token producing shell attached to things that care about having a bunch of artifacts that don't do anything in play which is not mechanics that don't exist i just in my head i'm not thinking about what that could be Okay, so right. let's Magical not Christmas talk about art. Feasting Troll yet. Why don't you we talked about Oko, like two come up ago. with a spicy list? That's what I'm we'll saying. And then we'll talk let's about it. Well, let's talk to Dekt and uh, have them update it so I can, play, can start brewing. Maybe this it. is like a, like a you send me the list next week, or maybe you talk about it in two weeks. I mean, I can't imagine yeah, anybody's going to scoop you on the modern, modern Feasting food. Troll King I'm deck. Here, here so I hope they do. If you, yeah, if somebody else comes up with a list that we see around the internet, maybe we'll talk about it. Otherwise, uh, you come up with one in the next two weeks, and then we'll talk about it. The best I can. Because right now, I feel like we're just <laughs> describing a standard deck, and you're like, I'm just going to play my standard deck in modern, which is fine, but... Well, I think I'm just going to play it in standard on arena. <laughs> Advertisements for arena streams coming soon. Uh, yeah. Well. Uh, already happening. I did it already. It happened. It's on the YouTube channel. You can go watch it. All right. And you'll be able to watch the future I'll ones. I'll save all the other cards then for future week when I may be a guest or whatever. But I do like Feasting Troll King. Yeah, he's sweet. It's also a 7-6 Vigilance Trample that draws you three artifact life gain cards when it enters play from your hand. Yeah, I, I did like the thing you pointed out that uh, if you manage to cast a Feasting Troll King from your hand and you have a dead Feasting Troll King, you can have two Feasting Troll Kings. Yeah, true. you can buy one, get one free. Yeah, yeah. it's a BOGO on Feasting Trolls. Yeah, BOGO on Feasting Trolls. <laughs> Um, They're the Burger Kings. Get, get them all dialed in. Two to, for the price of one. The, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, that's it for the episode this week. Uh, we had we got distracted. We have more cards we're going to need to talk about. Uh, I'm hoping this doesn't end up as another four week review. Luckily, this is the fall. It be. This is the fall, so uh, we live in a world where there's not a ton of more product coming out anytime soon. So it's not nearly as. Well, we also grindy. we also have been uh, slow rolling the previews a little bit. I, I think we probably only have one more episode probably we'll yeah, probably yeah. have two i think i'll be back for one i think we'll do one final one you guys do one next week and then one more I, after that i think All when right. the less right. verbose hosts are on i think we have one left wow michael talks just as much as i do <laughs> well that's why he referred to us both as verbose hosts so ben by himself ben talks too <laughs> i bet me and ben i bet me and ben reviewing a set would be like this set uh okay so this is, ben would be like yeah this card's great and I'd be like, you, yeah, this card would be good. You have to talk about the good cards, though, and he'll talk about the bad cards. That's the problem with Ben is That's like, true. 
Yes, he's maybe not going to say as so much let me tell about, you about good why cards. I like joust. <laughs> but right, he's gonna he's gonna pull out some freaking wild ones that we would never mention otherwise, and he's gonna have a list. He's gonna be talking about it. It's he's gonna be he's gonna get going on on some kind of. He's like you're not big paladin. And there's or also you're not also hyped like, on trail of breadcrumbs. Come yeah. on, there's also like layers, right? Like the podcast the masters of modern podcast functions on this level there is one person who talks about insane ideas and one person who tries to reel in the sanity when ben and me are on i'm sanity person ben is insane person when me and michael are on michael is sane person and i'm insanity when ben and michael and ben yeah ben's always the insanity <laughs> he's all the way he's all the way he's at the end the of the, the insanity end. spectrum right, right. set to so, 11 so it's almost good for the podcast to let michael let my like Oh, you guys get ready for the dead horse list. We're going to beat it later. It's not going to happen right now. <laughs> I posted on the internet. Michael doesn't understand. It's, it's why called I... beating a dead horse because you're playing a dead horse deck and your opponent always beats you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why the deck exists. It's fun's like that. Uh, there is a weird horse synergy between the crystal one, the one that's two mana and gains you life whenever you cast a spell, and the five mana one that makes a five five token that's indestructible every time you gain life. Diamond Mare. Diamond, Diamond Mare. Mare and Crested, Crested Sun, Mare. Sun Mare. Yeah. And so, then I think you're also playing the Dead Pony too. Yeah, the right? one that in your graveyard you can discard two cards for three and bring it into play. The actual dead horse. The actual dead horse. Ghoul and then reanimator spells. Uh, and shenanigans will ensue. So we'll talk about that later. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening to the cast as always. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Make sure to look at our Patreon. It's cool. There's the unraw, uncut episode. Marshall sweared at the beginning of this episode. Oh my god! Scandal. Uh, we talked about a bunch of cool stuff. Um, you I got a nice little swears. fireside chat with just me because Marshall and Michael had to take a little break to go uh, use the restroom at one point. Um, you also should make sure to check out our YouTube channel. If you're on YouTube right now, please subscribe. Pl- please hit the like button. Uh, if you're not on YouTube, you should look at it. We have card art. You can like see the cards we're talking about. Sometimes we're not the best at describing them, so it is a helpful tool. As as well as if you're just on iTunes, please, uh, once again, give us a like, uh, give us a follow, and rate us. Give us like five stars. Not less than that. Just exactly five. You can say not nice things if you want in the comment. I care less constructive, about the Constructive. Constructive criticism. Right. Don't be mean. I it, Like every time someone's mean, I like Hey, I really wish Michael was on the cast more often. That'd be great. Five stars. Right. That's, that's fine. <laughs> Positive construction. Like, that's, exa- that's Alex exactly, exactly the kind who, of who like, needs to lose weight or something. That would be mean. That would be sad. Have, like, and then five stars. And five stars. Alex is a jerk. He needs to lose weight. Five stars. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media. Sending podcasts into the future.